Welcome to this edition of The Hotspot, and I'm Randall, and I'm so excited that you've taken the time to tune into this new episode. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be talking to Rick and Melissa Hennett. They're the founders of Grace and Lace, and you might know them from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and we're going to talk to them about how they have been successful with their business and, and some key um, ingredients that have made up um, the success that they've had today. And also in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about branding part two. In the previous episode, if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back and take a listen as we talked about branding and how branding is essential in your social media marketing, as well as in your on your website, in your storefront, and across all of your marketing channels that you use. But today, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about how to define your brand, and we're going to talk about 10 steps that I believe are critical in creating your brand experience with your customers. And the first thing that I want to talk about today is start by defining what your brand is and how your brand will serve your customers We can start out by reviewing the product or service that your business offers. Pinpoint space in the market. It occupies and research the the needs and concerns of your customers. You know, your branding and your brand characters should promote your business and connect with your customer base and differentiate your business and your brand in the market. Number two is when building your brand, think of it as a person. Every one of us is a individual um, whose character is made up of beliefs, values, and purposes that define who we are and who we connect with. Our personality determines how we behave in different situations, how we dress, and what we say. Of course, for people, it's intuitive and it's rare that you even consider what your own character is, but when you're building a brand, it's vital to have that understanding. I'm going to basically talk about this a little bit further. Um, when you look at your branding and thinking of it as a person, your branding is an extension of who you are. I mean, you started your business. You started this service. Why did you do that in the first place? Um, I believe if we're intentional about our why, it will create more of this intentionality about you know how we're going to serve our customers, how we're going to do social media marketing, how we're going to build our website, how we're going to be portrayed as this brand that we want to become in the marketplace. Number three, consider what is driving your business. What does it believe in? What is its purpose and and who are its brand heroes? Think of, you know, why you created your business in the first place. You know, I'm sure every great business first started out with that simple why, with that simple story of, you know what, I want to do this because of this. Or maybe you just had a great passion for what you're doing today and you somehow saw it become a business Those are the things that you want to incorporate in your branding, in your tagline, on your website, on your social media pages. Number four, aim to build long-term relationships with your customers. Many customers that we do social media content for, we oftentimes try to relate to them, but also build a community around our client's brand on social media. We don't try to dress up uh, the offering and trying to, you know, be like, oh, let's just do a lot of promotions and let's do a lot of discounts and let's, you know, let's only focus on those things. What we try to do with our customers, and this is what I encourage any business owner to try to do, is to to give 
people an opportunity to engage with you on social media that will encourage engagement, whether that is sharing a post, whether that's commenting on a post, whether that is going to your website, add value to what you bring to the marketplace and to your customers and get them excited about it. Once they know that you care about them as a person and as a customer, more so than just trying to sell them something, then you'll find yourself really beginning to build this relationship with them that will ultimately result in in more sales and and more um, exposure for, for your business. Number five, speak to your customers with a consistent tone of voice. In the latter episode, we talked about how your brand is made up of the tone, you know, of the way that it's perceived. And not only that, it will help reinforce the business character and clarify its offerings so the customers are aware of exactly what to expect from your product or your service. Number six, don't repeat the same message in the same way over and over again. Alternatively, aim to make your your key messages work together to build a coherent identity for your brand. Number seven, don't try to mimic the look of chains or big brands. Don't look at what other people are doing. Look at how you can incorporate your story, your why into your branding. I see so many business owners trying to do what everyone else is doing, and that doesn't do really anything for your brand. It just makes you look like everybody else. So find out what uh, makes you different, how people can experience your brand differently. Um, maybe you have the same product. Maybe you have the same service, but figure out ways to, to not mimic other people, but basically portray your story that you uh, that you have and, and let people know the reason why you started your brand in the first place. Number eight, be innovative, bold, and daring. Stand for something you believe in. Big brands are encumbered by large layers of bureaucracy, preventing them from being flexible and reacting to the ever-changing needs of their customers. Those layers of decision makers can make it hard for them to be daring with their branding. Number nine, always consider your branding when communicating with customers. Don't lose your pride or delete your brand positioning with indiscriminate discounting. Like we said earlier, try offering more rather than slashing prices. Promotions are an opportunity to reinforce your brand's mission. And so definitely um, when you're doing a promotion on social media or on your website, um, don't just automatically say we need to discount this, but figure out ways, figure out creative ways to portray your brand in that way of getting people excited about the uh, and adding value to the services or products that you offer. Last in final thought, number 10, the old way of stamping your logo on everything in today's world just isn't enough. We try to put our logos on our Facebook pages, on our, on our you know, on our websites, on, uh, on our, in our storefronts. All these other things are, are great, but We need to begin to create relationships around our brand. We need to begin to create a community around our brand. And I believe if we begin to do that and begin to look at branding in that sense, it it goes basically to that next level. So, you know what? I'm not just trying to sell somebody something. I want to really, I really care about my customers and I'm not just, I don't just care about them, but I want to put them first. The future of branding is fluid and engaging. And if we respect our customers' intelligence by not giving everything away up front, we generate some intrigue and allow them to uh, unearth more about our brands for themselves. And in doing so, it creates more momentum and it creates more excitement and it ultimately brings more people to 
uh, to your website and, and, and allows more people to want to inter- interact with you and your brand. I'm so excited today because we're going to be talking with the founders of Grace and Lace. You might know them from the hit TV show Shark Tank, but today we're going to talk to them about how they've used branding, how they've they've used social media to really make a profound impact in their business. We'll be right back as we talk to Rick and Melissa Hinnett of Grace and Lace on this show. Stay tuned. So on today's edition of The Hotspot, we're going to be interviewing Rick and Melissa Hinnett. They're the founders of Grace and Lace. And like I said earlier, you probably know them from the hit show Shark Tank. And I'm so excited to have them on the show today to talk about their success with social media and how they've made a big impact online, as well as we're going to learn a little bit more about the the, the mission behind Grace and Lace today. Hi, Rick and Melissa. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you, Randall. Awesome. So um, I would love if y'all, um, if one of you would, would kind of start out from the beginning and share with our listeners how you started Grace and Lace in the first place. Sure. Well, um, you know, we kind of call Grace and Lace our accidental company. Um, and we call it that because um, we didn't start out to start a business. We, I have no formal training in design or women's apparel Um in fact, our, the business actually started out of a tragedy. Um, I was halfway through pregnancy with our, with our daughter, and I was at a routine doctor's visit when the doctor suddenly told me that you're going to give birth to your daughter within 24 hours and she's not going to survive. Um, and that was a real whirlwind situation. I was rushed into emergency surgery and was told that if the surgery is successful, you'll remain in the hospital for the remainder of the pregnancy, which was potentially five months. Um, and the surgery was successful, but I like, like expected I had to be in the hospital laying on my back and, um, all I could do there being bedridden is work with my hands. And really that's really the beginning days of Grace and Lace. I began to crochet and, um, make baby blankets and baby clothes. And really that's where my love for knits grew, um, unfortunately our daughter didn't end up making it, but, um, I found a lot of, through her loss, I found a lot of the healing through working with my hands and continuing with that love for knits. And one day I just had this idea for a pair of boot socks and I wanted lace on the top of them and I was, um, making them to figure out a way to make them. Um, and I did, it took me about five hours on the sewing machine to do it, but, um, I wore them because it took so long. Everywhere I went, people would stop and ask me where I got them. Strangers would stop me. Um, and, you know, Rick said, why don't you just put them, up on, put them up online and see if they sell? And I did. I sold instantly. And within a matter of days, we had over 500 purchase requests for this pair of lacy boot socks. Wow. Um, and so Grace and Lace was born then, uh, really accidentally. Like I said, we didn't have a plan um, to start a women's apparel company. And really, the business has just grown um, and exploded ever since. And Randall, uh, just to add a teeny little bit, I mean, I remember like it was yesterday very vividly. And it's kind of a funny story because Melissa slaved away on the sewing machine, made the pair of socks. Um, again, we, we had no intention of a business, no idea that it would be a business. But she came downstairs and she looked at me pretty frustrated and she said, I will never, ever make another one of these again. And we we crack up about that because... Uh, there's you know several hundred thousand pairs since that one that have been sold. Um, now Melissa didn't obviously make them, 
herself. But uh, it, it's just kind of a funny story that we didn't think well, she wasn't going to make another and we didn't think anything would come of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Many business owners that I've, that I, I encounter day to day. I mean, they say, you know, and I just kind of accidentally landed in this business, you know, I didn't, they may not have formal training. And so it's really awesome to see that, you know, whenever you really don't have a plan, you know, God sometimes has, you know, another plan, um, in the midst mm-hmm. of a tragedy, tragedy, you know, like, like y'all are faced with, um, there's oftentimes good things that can come out of that if we'll just trust and believe, um, so yes. kind of go through the, like, so the, from the point that you realized that you had created a product that obviously people wanted, I mean, 500 orders, I mean, up front, I mean, that's like, wow, crazy, you know, um, and, and that you knew that you would serve your customers, you know, well with, with what you basically created. Um, tell us about maybe the next step of, of planning and, that you were up against and, and how you took that idea from, you know, this hobby into a more official business. I think it was, uh. maybe a little bit of shock initially because when Melissa put the socks online, we didn't know if they would sell. Well, they sell instantly. And then before we know it, this pair of socks that she's never going to make again, we've got not only 500 people that have requested to buy them. We've got 500 people that have paid for them. We've got their money. So we had to figure out number one, are we going to refund their money? because we don't think we can make the socks or number two, which is really more of our mindset of, okay, we're entrepreneurial. Let's figure out how to do this. And I think very quickly we knew we had to involve other people. And I told Melissa, like, look, you're great. You know how to do this. You figured it out. All we need to do is find some seamstresses and you teach them and let's get, get these 500 purchase requests taken care of. Uh, And at that point, I thought once we get through the 500 orders, we're probably good to go because I don't know if many people are going to order after that influx. Uh, Well, boy, was I wrong. I mean, the orders just kept coming in time and time again. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about um, how you chose to be intentional about working um, your plan instead of trying to maybe grow as fast as you could. Well, see, I know you've got some pretty good insight on that one. Um, you want to? You know, I guess I just always encourage, um, you know, business owners or you know people that have a hobby that are looking to turn it into a business. Um, really, just with this the simple concept of only grow as fast as you need to grow. Um, so many times we have, um, big goals and dreams of, oh, I need an office and I need staff members and I need this to look this way as an official company. And, you know, for so many years, we, we just hustled. We worked out of our garage. We had our neighbors going, we, um, packaged our items just, I mean, we were scrappy. We, we just did what it took to do it. And I think so many people, the hobby looking to turn into business it's really easy to um, need to take out a loan and, you know, purchase an office space or a warehouse space. And, you know, up until um, just three years ago, we were still operating out of our, fully operating out of our garage, our home garage. And so, um, you know, take it step by step. Don't, don't, don't get ahead of yourself of where you need to be, um, you know, and let it, let it allow it to make sense along the way. Randall, I think that's 
a, a tremendous point that Melissa made. Uh, and, and this is kind of mind boggling, especially for most entrepreneurs. We had done over $800,000 of business out of our garage. We didn't have an office. We didn't have a warehouse. Uh, like Melissa said, we were scrappy and we really bootstrapped it. And neither one of us believe in debt. Uh, the company's never been in debt, not one penny from the start. And we didn't want to make uh, decisions that were uncomfortable for us. And debt is uncomfortable for us because that can really burden a business. So um, what Ms. Melissa said is is just perfect. So kind of to wrap this up, give our listeners some encouragement to kind of help them with balancing the idea of working, you know, always – in their business and not working, you know, on their business. You know, I mean, I think there's so many business owners that I've even dealt with that are like, you know, I got to have the office space. I got to, you know, go ahead and mm-hmm. invest in, in all these other areas of my business. But maybe, you know, like how do they balance that? Like, you know, what would be your main encouragement for those that might be like, I don't know really how to balance that or how to know when, when should I grow, you know, or how should I grow, you know, and be productive, you know, in that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, Melissa's input and I've got some as well. Yeah, I was just going to, you know, it kind of goes back to the last question is just, um, you know, I, looking back and hiring my very first hire, she was my friend and my neighbor that lived two hours down from me. And I remember being so nervous about hiring her because then it it required me to guarantee an income for her. And that was risky to me, you know? And so the way that we did it is that we made sure that she only got paid out of the items that sold. So we built that profit into the item into the item that she touched that she, she actually started doing my shipping for me. So we would do all the production in my garage and do the shipping out of her garage. But, um, it gave us the gave me the security to know I'm just not forking out money to her hourly, but we built it into the cost that whatever product she touches or works with, that's what she's getting paid from. And so just, again, it kind of comes back to, um, don't go to the, bank try to take out all these loans don't be committed to oh i need to hire for this i need to hire for this you've got to be scrappy you've got to work on that ground level you've got to put hustle into it and do only grow to the point of when it requires you to hire when it requires you to purchase space when it requires you to do those things um that's that's the security that we've always worked from um and then still to this day we make sure that our hires are paid out of out of the profits of product, um, you know, to make sure that we're in a, a healthy paced place financially. Awesome. Well, that's really good advice. I, um, I think Rick, you had some other things to add to that. So I definitely wanted to give you an opportunity to share, you know, some of your input on, on this question as well. Yeah. And, and again, I loved what Melissa said. There's a lot of wisdom with what she shared. Um, yeah, I've started quite a few businesses in my life and it's, it's a calling that God has put on my life to be an entrepreneur and I love it. Uh, and I've learned over the years through a lot of experience, through some failures that business is a process. And if I could encourage anyone, I would say, take a deep breath. Um, the kingdom is not rushed, nor is business in most cases, uh, nor is anything in life. In most cases, you know, if you look at scripture, anytime you see the word haste, uh, quickly after that is usually destruction. 
So right. I tell people it's a process. We're all in process. Uh, failing is not final. Failing, what I call it is failing forward because we learn so much more from our failures than we do from our success. And if you understand that, hey, it's a process and I'm going to fail on occasion, as long as I don't quit, then it's not final. If I learn from it, get up, learn how to get better, then things are going to move in the right direction. And I also tell people, take baby steps. That's really smart, really wise to do. Uh, You don't want to get so far out in front of yourself and out in front of your experience or know-how that... Uh, you make very big blunders. And if you're taking baby steps, you're not going to make tremendous life-altering decisions that could really put you in a bad spot. And I think lastly, and probably the most important thing I could encourage anyone with, especially someone that's a believer, uh, there's a verse in Psalm, Psalm 37, 4, that's been so huge for me and so huge for so many other people um, that I get to, the opportunity to share with. And that verse says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. And to me, what that says is, okay, there's priorities in this life. If, if the Bible's true and I believe it is 100%, then what he's telling me to do, not only in that verse, there's multiple other verses that say the same thing. You know, scripture, um, often retells us the same thing in different spots. Um, because we need, you know, repetition is the uh, mother of all learning. We've heard that said before. But if we truly look at Psalm 37, 4, if we delight ourselves in him, first and foremost, that's our priority, then he's going to take care of things. You know, Matthew six thirty three says the exact same thing. Uh, talks about it, the exact same thing again in Romans as well. If we put him as the priority, he's going to bring what we need. He's going to bring it when we need it. He's going to bring the connections. He's going to open the doors. And it just takes off so much pressure. Um, And our our pastor even had this phenomenal sermon this last Sunday, just a few days ago. And I've been meditating on it ever since. And he was talking about having a balanced work life. Um, Specifically, you know, to this question, which I think is kind of interesting that you've asked it. He was talking about we do all that we can, work with diligence, work as hard as we can. But at the end of the day, we have to be 100% dependent on God to bring the results. We just do because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So uh, hopefully that can encourage people out there and people can take a deep breath and enjoy the ride because that's where the real fun is. Right. That's awesome. I mean, I, I know there's so many people that look at, you know, oh, if I don't get that client, you know, um, then, then I'm just not going to be able to pay my bills. And I, I think, yep. you know, if we just begin to like really look at, you know, believe by faith, you know, that God, you know, is going to yeah. be able to do, you know, what we cannot do. And once we delight ourselves in him, like that verse that you mentioned is so powerful because, you know, it goes from like, it goes beyond our, our natural abilities of being able to do yep. what, what we, what we can't do. And, and, and it allows God to do what only he can do, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, my, my kind of to, to kind of go with that last question, how should we be intentional 
um, about, you know, I, I've dealt with a lot of business owners that are like, you know, if I could, if I'm always busy, they they always say they're busy, but I'm like busy doing mm-hmm. what, you know? Um, and I think we, we sometimes replace busyness with, you know, all these other things, but not being productive, you know? Mm-hmm. And so how can we, you know, just kind of add to what we've been talking about. How can we be intentional about not just being busy, but being productive? Um, if and I feel like you may, might have some insight on that as well, just to kind of in this conversation. Yeah, I think there's some very practical steps. Um, busyness is the spirit of this age. If you ask anyone how they're doing, it's usually the first thing you're going to hear. I'm so busy. I'm just buried. I've got this and that. Right. And you're so right, Randall. Busyness doesn't always lead to productivity. Right. So one practical step I can give anyone out there, and it's something I do every single day, I write a list of things to do, and there's a priority to this list. Um, it's usually It usually has anywhere from uh, a really good week would only have five items to do. Uh, a more hectic week could have 15 or more, but that doesn't bother me. Um, I don't get overwhelmed by the amount of things that need to get done. I just know here's here's some things that have to get done, and those that are a priority, I put those at the top, and I'll work on those. Once those are done, I'll move to the next priority, and what that will do is that will give you productivity. Uh, you don't want to be chasing your tail all the time, and if you don't if you don't have some organization in your life, um, it can be a problem. And yes, you can be busy not getting a whole bunch done, but spread all over the place. So uh, we keep mentioning that word intentional. Mm -hmm. This is a very practical and intentional step. Write down on a piece of paper what needs to get done. Prioritize that list. Do not get off of the highest priority item until it's done, until you move to the second one. Um, The list is never going to go away. I, I've been trying to get my things to do list done uh, for decades now. It doesn't happen. There's always more things to do, but the level of priority is what's important. And those that uh, do really well in business, mentors of mine, they all use this same exact thing and they get phenomenal results, which is why I want to learn from them and humble myself and say, okay, well, if, if they're extremely successful, in what they're doing, and they prioritize their life on what needs to happen, um, I'm going to probably follow that as well. And I also want to mention this because people can get really out of balance working too many hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, I said it as a company culture. 40 hours per week is our max. I do understand, Randall, at times we're going to be busier. Depending on the season, we're in the fourth quarter now, and it's it's quite uh, explosive for us, but you have to set some boundaries. You have to cut it off. Yes. Uh, tomorrow is coming just as the sun is going to rise and we can work on it tomorrow. And I don't want anyone in our company and they know this and they know that I'm, I'm taking care of their heart. You know, it's a form of soul care to say, Hey, 40 hours a week, max. If you can get it done in 20 or 25, more power to you. I'm totally behind you because there's more to life than work. So uh, 40 hours a week is the max. Cut it off. There has to be boundaries. And if you go beyond those boundaries, then that's on me. That's on you. Um, that's only something that, that 
you can personally can control. But as a culture, you know, that's the max and let's enjoy the rest that life has to offer. Awesome. Well, I love that. I love that. Um, definitely appreciate y'all for coming on, coming on the show today to talk about your experience and kind of how you've got to where you're, you're at. And we appreciate your time t- this morning. Absolutely. Thank you, Randall. All right. So we just interviewed Rick and Melissa Hennett of Grace and Lace. And one of the things that stood out to me most about this interview was the fact that we can be so busy working in our business that we sometimes can't see that we've been productive. And I like how Rick and Melissa both gave some practical tips and ways that we can not only be um, productive, but how we can be intentional about that and how we cannot how we can be intentional about not growing too fast, but growing as we need to grow. Um, it's some great encouragement. I encourage you to go back and listen to it, the interviews, so that you can get more uh, insight and advice, uh, you know, f- out of that as well. Thanks so much for tuning into this edition of the Hotspot. Feel free to go to my website at randallee.net for more information or for more encouragement. Thanks so much for your time, and thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Hotspot.